0: Sihan, and welcome to Comfort Zone Exit from Pipestem Studios in Oakton, Virginia. This is episode three, and I am happy to be joined by longtime friend and fellow malt liquor and 40-ounce beer bottle connoisseur and collector, Bruise. Brews, we haven't spoken in a while. It's great to have you. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing good. I'm a little thirsty, though. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to crack a 40 while we talk.
0: I think that is a fantastic idea. When you and I were trading notes this week about preparing for the podcast, you made the incredibly great suggestion that we drink a 40 while we are actually recording the podcast. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say to some degree I haven't had one in over three years, considering the uh, uh, the rate and the quantity at which I once uh, consumed these things. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to be doing it. So, what uh, what forty are you going to be drinking during the uh, the podcast today?
1: Today, I have a recently discontinued Heffenreffer private stock malt liquor with the imported taste.
0: <laughs> it's recently discontinued. Can you, uh, while we open our 40s, and I'm, uh, I'm going to be drinking a, uh, a Hurricane, Category Five, six percent alcohol. Be bold. Be smooth. Be powerful. And uh, I guess when you haven't had one of these in three years, and it's a Sunday afternoon, I guess be careful. Should probably also be on the <laughs> bottle.
1: Yeah, it's been about three days for me, so I'll take it easy with you.
0: <laughs> so. For for those who are listening, if during the podcast you're picking up sounds of swallowing in liquid, those are going to be the unedited, unfiltered, genuine sounds of malt liquor being consumed <clears throat> from forty ounce uh, bottles. So, um, I, I think it's a perfect perfect way to set the tone for uh, for our conversation today. So. Um, before we get into the uh get into the interview, real quickly, if people want to be able to find more information on the podcast, they can do it at comfortzonexit.com and I'm on Twitter at ComfortZoneExit. Bruise's website, which we will be talking about at length, is 40ozmaltliquor.com. And Bruise can folks also find you on the twitter or is there a group on facebook that if they wanted to learn more they could find you
1: i'm on twitter at 40 ounce malt liquor 40 oz malt liquor and also on facebook 40 ounce malt and there's also a, a support malt liquor group on facebook as well
0: nice so what is the difference between beer and malt liquor let's just start at the most basic um uh, b- basic level uh, of things because for as much of the as much of this stuff as i've drank in my life um i never actually took the time to really research and learn about what the differences are because i think most people when they see malt liquor they just think of it as maybe being uh, beer with a higher alcohol content so is there actually some kind of uh, what are the differences
1: Uh, There's no difference between beer and malt liquor. Malt liquor is beer. Uh, (laughs) It's a kind of beer. There are two types of beer. There's lagers and ales. Uh, Lagers are bottom fermented. Ales are top fermented. Malt liquor is a style of lager, as is Pilsners, Box, uh, Oktoberfests. And then there's all different styles of ales, like IPAs, Lambics, Pale Ales, porters, Stouts, and Wheat Beers and many more under each category. So uh, malt liquor is just a bottom-fermented lager made with mostly cheap ingredients. It gets a high alcohol content from a lot of the sugars that are in it, and uh, it's brewed usually mostly with corn because that's a cheap ingredient, and it gives it a slightly higher alcohol content than, your, than most other basic beers like uh, what Pilsners have and whatnot. All right,
0: so you and I met Online in the late '90s, when we were both uh, had uh, our 40-ounce beer bottle collections, kind of in their uh, kind of in their infant stages. So, take me back to the first 40 you drank. Do you remember what it was and what the circumstances were? And as a result of having that first one, did you start collecting right away? <laughs> and if not, what ultimately led you to collecting?
1: Uh, it is. I'm very sad. To announce that uh, unfortunately, I don't remember my first 40. I wish I did. I can tell you it was either a fat boy, uh, an old English ice, a hurricane, a cold 45, or a crazy horse, most likely, something along those lines. Um, I started collecting a couple years after the fact in uh, Rutgers. I was in my junior year at Rutgers University. And I moved into an apartment with my buddy that uh, I call Beer Face. And in our kitchen were cabinets that had a little over a foot gap between the top of the cabinet and the ceiling. And typical college guys were like, oh, we got to put some beer bottles up there, but it was a big enough gap. Like 12 ounce bottles would look silly. I was like, let's put some 40 ounce bottles up there. And we didn't just want to line a line it with all Budweiser forties or all old English forties. So we tried to get one of each of whatever we could find and, it just spiraled completely out of control. We were going to all different liquor stores around New Brunswick, then other towns in New Jersey. And then we were going on a lot of road trips in college, all the way up to like Montreal, Canada, down to Virginia Beach, and just hitting up liquor stores all over the place, seeing what else existed and adding that to our apartment.
0: Yeah, my uh, my first 40 was on my... Track and field and cross country recruiting trip to a major East Coast uh, university. I'm not going <laughs> to name which one because I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to sully its reputation because they were feeding uh, high school kids 40 ounce uh, malt liquors on on a recruiting trip. But I had a. Uh, this would have been April of 1996. My senior high school. I had an old English 840 on a. I think it was a Tuesday night in somebody's dorm room, and, and I took the bottle home and I uh, I put it on my dresser because I thought it was cool and I'd never had one before. And then a couple months later, I went to the Olympics with a couple of buddies, uh, one of them who had a fraternity house in Atlanta. So we went and stayed uh, at his fraternity house in Emory, so every night we would go out to um, a liquor store called Reggie's in uh, the North Druid Hills outside of Atlanta, and I bought a different forty every single night that week, just because I thought that they were interesting and they were kind of funny to drink, but I, I never knew the kind of variety that there that there was. So I came home from the Olympics not only with fantastic memories of seeing some world class and amazing athletes compete, but I came home with the uh, with the birth of a 40 ounce beer bottle collection so excellent um. <clears throat> and as my as my collection grew during college, I started to look online to try to learn more about what there may be in terms of 40s or malt liquor. And this is 1997, 1998, probably maybe a year or two before you started collecting. But uh, it was really the early stages of the Internet, so there wasn't a lot of information out there. Um, and, and I was trying to to just find more bottles, but there was uh, there were some early sites out there where people would put up information about their collections, and some of the collections were 12 or 15 bottles or 20 bottles. And by this time, I had a collection well into the 60s or 70s, so I, I was fairly confident that I had uh, what was probably the largest collection in the world. And I went on a, an internet search to try to find a uh, small mouth bottle of St. Ides, which had been discontinued, if you recall, um, in fact, I'm sure you would, in the late 90s, the manufacturers, and I, I'm going to look to you maybe for some history on this. They stopped producing the small mouth bottles, and they went to a longer neck with wider mouths, and I could not find one for St. Ides, so I had a $100 bounty out on the internet <laughs> For anybody who could get me a full one that I could uh, drink. And I, I think ultimately you may have found one of my postings on a message board about m- me looking for that bottle and about the size of my collection.
1: Yeah, that's correct. That was probably a couple of years or so after he posted that. Uh, I remember, I believe your email address had your university in it. And uh, it was on some websites' guestbook. Websites these days don't even have guestbooks, but back. In the early days, they had guest books, and I was browsing them, hoping to find somebody else out there who collected. I was trying to dig up any info I could on 40s, just like you were. And uh, I saw your uh, post and tried contacting you, and I believe you may have already graduated from that university or moved on because the email bounced back. And uh, I was like, oh, man, how am I going to get in touch with this guy? So I decided I'd create my own website. I was like, feel the dreams. If I build it, he will come. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So I, 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 we ultimately did find each other. I found your website and I, I, I think I remember emailing you and I got an email back saying, oh, you know, I've, I've, I've been looking for you. And it was like, (laughs) wow, you know, the, 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 the two people who, uh, who. To the best of our knowledge, had the largest collections in the world at the time, uh, had found each other and could start sharing information. So I remember uh, in November of 2000, I hopped in my car and drove up uh, and met you and your roommate, Beerface, at your apartment. Uh, for for our first uh, for our very first meeting at which we watched some I think Monday Night Raw and I had my oh, per- <laughs> I think I had my first uh, night flight malt liquor forty ever that that night and you also gave me a uh, a Fat Boy which I had been searching for but I, I believe had been discontinued.
1: You have a better memory than me. I remember hanging out. I couldn't remember what we watched, what I gave you.
0: (laughs) Well, it's, I don't know. It's funny. The, the, the important or maybe the unimportant things that we intend to remember in life, I guess it depends upon what, uh, uh, you know, how, how you, how you view things, but, um, after that, I know you and I stayed stayed in close contact and I was still collecting at the time, although it was only probably another year or two until I stopped collecting. But um, I was going on some trips like you were, road trips, and searching high and low for uh, malt liquors or b- different bottles and different variations that our collections didn't have. And those trips... Depending upon where I actually went and what I found always led to some interesting stories and interesting situations, which uh, I'm sure you found yourself in. Um, in fact, there was a neighborhood outside of my uh, – a couple miles from my apartment in Philadelphia that had a liquor store that um, I always said that I wanted to go into, but I was always too afraid to actually get out of my car uh, to enter. And, and I remember one time when you came and visited me, you and uh, you and your buddy actually went in there. But do you have any really interesting or frightening or scary stories to tell from situations that being on malt liquor searches uh, led you into?
1: I've definitely been to a lot of stores where I've been very hesitant to get out of the car and go in. Um, nothing bad's ever happened to me. I've hunted Baltimore. I've seen Crips and Bloods driving around with their respective colors and uh, going to liquor stores with the bulletproof glasses and the little turnstiles that you have to, like, put your money in and they put the beer in to get your packaged <laughs> goods. And you can't even see what they have. You're, like, leaning over the counter trying to see behind the clerk in the case behind them. And they're thinking you're a weirdo because people just come in there to get what they want, not, like, look at all the different stuff. <laughs> um, there's a liquor store in New Brunswick, uh, side street in the not-the-best area. I remember going in there for the first time, and there was nobody outside the store. And uh, we go in. I see primetime malt liquor in the cooler. First time I ever heard of it or saw that, I got all excited and probably did a little dance in the store or something, and I bought it. And as we're leaving, all of a sudden, there's, like, 10 guys outside coming up to me yo man you want some powder? it's like <laughs> uh, no I'm good <laughs> following me to my car um there's another store in Boundbrook New Jersey is it Boundbrook Plainfield st- down Route 28 that that direction going from Boundbrook to Bound Brook to Plainfield and uh there's always people outside yelling at each other and you go around back and there's a, the park, there's a sign above the entrance. that says no loitering, no drinking, no drug use, no pissing, no fighting. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And they go in there and they're cooking fried chicken. And that sounds like a horrible racist joke, but it's the truth. They sell that and all sorts of malts and can find some good stuff there as well.
0: Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the most interesting, or in fact, definitely the most interesting Trip I ever had or experience I have was for two summers in a row in college, a couple buddies and I would go out to Los Angeles and hang out with my cousin for, uh, for a week. And we rented one summer. We had a Ford Mustang and, uh, we drove around in that and we thought we were cool. And then the next summer we, we kind of downgraded and we rented a Chevy Lumina and my, my buddy and I went and saw the tonight show with Jay Leno One afternoon, and on 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 the way back, we were driving back to Manhattan Beach. I said, "You know, this is the one opportunity that I have to go searching for malt liquor in in South Central Los Angeles."
1: You were going at night.
0: No, this is about four o'clock in the afternoon. They 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 record the Tonight Show in the afternoon, so about four or five in the afternoon in August. And I looked at my buddy. I said. You know, you, you comfortable with doing this? He said, "Yeah, I'll give it a try." So, so we rolled uh, we rolled down Crenshaw Boulevard right into the heart of wow. Compton, and, and uh, pulled up to the first first liquor store that we saw, and we got out and walked in, and um, we bought uh, I bought only one thing there. They had a full sh- a full shelf in their cooler of sixty fours of Old English eight hundred, and I bought six of them, and uh, took them up, and we put them on the counter. Of course. It, it It took a couple of trips to get six sixty uh, fours up onto the counter um and the the lady behind the counter. She didn't even say anything to us. She just laughed. I mean, she was laughing and laughing and <laughs> laughing out loud and shaking her head back and forth. And she told us whatever the price was. We paid for them. We hopped in our Chevy Lumina and we uh, got out of there as quickly as possible.
1: Nice. That's what we call a malt assault.
0: <laughs> a malt assault. Nice. And uh, that was the. Uh, that was one of only two times I ever uh, found 64s in a store. I found found 64s of Old English in somewhere in New Jersey one time. Uh, I don't even know if they sell them anymore. In fact, do they sell 64s anymore?
1: They've been out of the game just about as long as you. Like the late 90s, those <laughs> things retired. It's very unfortunate, very sad. Yeah. I only found Old E64s in a store once myself. Um,
0: I found yeah for Old English twice, and then I, when I was in college, it was great that I, I had a good group of friends who... They didn't want to collect malt liquor themselves, but they wanted to help me out. So when they would be out on their own, they would go into stores, and I had a couple of friends who actually carried a list of the malt liquors that I had. So if they went into a store, they could check the list, and if they found something that uh, uh, I didn't have, they would buy it. And one that I ended up with was a 64 of, uh, I think it was a Ballantine's, maybe, and They brought it back to me. They bought it in Manhattan somewhere. And when they gave it to me, it had, I mean, just the nastiest sludge floating around in it. So I never opened it and I never drank it because I I didn't want to taste whatever was in it. Well... I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. I'm going to, I'll talk shortly about when I, uh, when I uh, gifted my entire collection to you, but that, that 64 that was full with sludge floating around in it ended up being one of the bottles that I gave you. So I'm curious, did that ever actually get opened and drank? Uh,
1: I'm getting called out for a bad decision I made. Unfortunately, I did not drink it. However, it was opened and emptied. Uh, at the time, I was worried about the weight. And being on the shelf, and I was like, oh, that's gross. Who needs this? And I dumped it out. But in retrospect, I wish I kept that full. Those chunks, they had flavor. They had charm. (laughs) And uh, I've drank a lot of 40s myself that have had the chunks and the floaties. And you can feel them tickle your throat as they go down. And they're the least of your concern when you're drinking a bottle that old. That stuff tastes terrible.
0: So you mentioned when you opened your – your private stock that, that it was recently announced that it's going to be discontinued. And I know that even just this week, the the little reading that I've done recently on malt liquor to prepare for our conversation, that uh, what I would deem is probably one of the world's worst malt liquors. Magnum uh, has also been announced that it's going to be discontinued. So I, I would suspect folks in the 40 ounce community are, are trying to rush around to buy up as many as they can, either to, to keep around to age or to maybe ultimately trade them someday. So if you can, you can tell me what's going on in in the collecting world with malts that are being discontinued. And will you keep them around to age and then ultimately drink them someday? Like maybe on like a special occasion, you know, your wife's birthday, you know, you break one out and you know, you know, you, You you light candles and you you make her drink one or, you know, things of that nature. So what's the reasoning behind buying up the discontinued malts, and will you drink them again someday?
1: Uh, We buy them up so that we can enjoy them and remember them for as long as possible. Uh, The Magnum is the most recent uh, to be announced. It's discontinuance. We're still waiting for verification from Miller Coors, something more official, but... It's a long story, but I guess you got a long podcast, so if you don't mind me rambling for a minute.
0: Yeah, I'll go right into it, man. We'd, I'd love to hear about it.
1: Uh, Miller Coors has an environmental stewardship program that they've been doing for the past several years, and it should be in full 100% swing 2014 early goings. And at that time, there's going to be a lot of brands coming out in plastic 40-ounce bottles, I'm sad to say. And... uh They test marketed these a while back and like over a year ago in certain select areas. And to our knowledge, Magnum was not test marketed. And in all the images we've seen and things we've heard, Magnum was not pictured. Furthermore, MillerCores made an announcement a couple months ago that they were going to discontinue a lot of their non core brands. And to me, the first thing that came to my mind was Magnum, second thing that came to my mind was Mickey's Ice. So there's been speculation that Magnum wouldn't be around f- for very much longer. They put no effort into marketing that brand. Uh, the label hasn't changed on it in many years. However, the formula did change. I remember, like you, when it was absolutely disgusting. It was the worst, one of the worst malt liquors on the market. But nowadays, it's definitely drinkable. It's not that bad at all. Uh, I drank one just a couple weeks ago, just for the heck of it, although I still have those bad memories, so I don't drink <laughs> it often by any means. But um, So, yeah, people are, when they hear things are getting discontinued, like Pabst recently also discontinued Koki 900, Big Bear and Silver Thunder, and uh, the private stock we discussed, people rush out and they try to buy up the remaining uh, ones that they can find so they can trade them to others in the future or now hook others up out of the goodness of their own hearts and just have them on hand to enjoy for as long as possible before they can ever drink it again. I just met up with a guy from the Support Malt Liquor group on Facebook, I think it was last weekend or so, and um, did a trade with him. I happen to have a full black label 1111, another brand that was discontinued within the past year. And he never got to have one. So he made me a big offer. We went back and forth a couple times, modifying the offer. And in the end, I traded him that full 40 at Black Label 1111, a uh, 240s of Magnum, because I could still get them. And they're going to be discontinued at the end of the year if the source is correct. So they're still being produced now. And uh, some Know Your Malts merchandise. And he gave me a full case of private stock 40s, which is where this came from since it's one of my favorite malts of all time, and uh, Three Silver Thunder 40s, which is a underrated, delicious street malt that didn't get the love and attention it deserved.
0: <laughs> so I stopped collecting in July of 2002. I was moving out of my apartment in Philadelphia. I think I had 100 and, 150 or 160 bottles, which at the time... Uh, I know your collection was creeping up on mine, but I, I still had the, the 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 largest verified collection in the world, which uh, w- which was a title I was proud to hold for a number of years. And um, if people know what a forty ounce bottle looks like, which if anybody's ever looked in a a, a, um, a cooler at a, at a at a convenience store, they've seen them. Just one of them takes up a lot of space. So, the issue that I was facing when I had to move is that I didn't want to have to move 160 bottles um, and I didn't have anywhere to put them anymore. So, I did what I thought was the best thing, and that was I called up the person who I knew, you know, these things were like my (laughs) children at the time. And if you were, you know, if you needed to put your children into foster care or have them adopted (laughs) by somebody, you wanted to. To give them to somebody who you best knew, best home possible. The, yeah, exactly. So I, I called you up and I said, "Look, man, <laughs> they're all yours. All you have to do is come get them." So I, I still remember that uh, that that tearful day for me when you came and picked them all up. But I know that uh, th- that day was uh, kind of officially passed the torch to you. Is uh, is having the largest collection, and I, I remember at the time I think I added. Somewhere between thirty and forty new bottles to your collection, which I was proud to do, mm-hmm. and that was uh, that was the last time I ever um, ever collected a forty. So I had a hundred and sixty bottles, and I, ha- I have what I thought was a space issue. So tell me how many bottles are in your collection now?
1: First, I'd like to say, well. I remember things differently. It might be my competitive side. I thought by the time that you inherited your or handed over your collection to me, I thought I passed you in the largest collection. Maybe not, because I have seen a lot of studies where people don't remember things accurately. And, <laughs> but well, maybe I mean, that's how I wish it was. That, no,
0: that, that honestly, that may be the case. But we've we've already shown that I I uh, or proven I I remember the exactly the <laughs> first forty. I drank with you, and you 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 admitted yeah, you had no recollection of it.
1: So we'll go with your memory. So you
0: re- regardless. I was happy to pass the collection <laughs> over, but it was a size was issue for me. It. I had 160 bottles. I didn't yeah. have room for them. So how many bottles do you have now? Where are they, and how in the world uh, are they stored? This is something I'm really
1: curious about. It's, it's obscene. I think I have 938 different bottles right now, and it's, it's obscene. They're everywhere. They're still at my parents' house. <laughs> They haven't left like I did many moons ago. I mean, I've i been married for, I don't know, five to seven years now <laughs> and uh, been out of there a little bit longer. And the 40s have been sitting there in my old bedroom. There's shelves everywhere built into the wall, attached to the wall, the closet has shelves. There's bookcases. Every shelf is lined with bottles. Every shelf is like three to four rows deep of bottles or two to four rows deep of bottles. The floor is covered in bottles. There's cases (laughs) 40s just with empty bottles stacked up. It's obscene looking. So
0: so that 900 or so odd number that you have, that's not even counting the duplicates that you have that you may keep on hand to be able to trade for new bottles, right?
1: Correct. That's just 938 individually different bottles. It does include 45-ounce and 64-ounce bottles as well because, as you know, as a 40 collector, you include those. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. My mom wants nothing else than for me to get those out of there, but I just don't have anywhere for them at the moment. I mean, I got a, I'm a family of six. I got four kids. The, this place is packed. We got to buy a house hopefully by next summer, maybe, and then maybe I'll finally get my man cave basement going and put them up in there.
0: Well, I, I think one of the reasons I, I discontinued collecting was that it, obviously I mentioned it was a space issue, but my parents moved. Out of the house I grew up in when I was in college, so if they had stayed in that house there's i would all i would say there 's probably still a decent chance i 'd be collecting because all the bottles would have kind of a home base but once they moved, I started having to take the bottles with me and it just it, it just became too much of an issue so um, I, I I have to say the 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 props that I give you and the respect I have for you for continuing on with, with what was a hobby and, you know, I guess still is to some degree, but it, but even a lifestyle that, you know, 12, 13 years later, you're still, uh, you know, you're still getting after it. And, and by all accounts, you are the uh, industry leader in 40-ounce and malt everything and all things malt liquor. Um you know, I, I guess you've come this far. There's no point in stopping now. Am I correct? Exactly.
1: It's like, it's, it's just on a life of its own. Uh, if I, When I had started, if I knew that I'd wind up having almost a thousand and eventually a thousand different forties, I probably wouldn't have started. I really, like you, had no idea how many were out there. I didn't think there could possibly be that much. I thought all right, maybe I'll have 100 different bottles at best. And then it was like, okay, there can't be more than 200, and it's just it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah,
0: I remember getting to my 40th 40 and thinking that I had you know, pretty much reached the pinnacle of collecting. Uh, and to think that you have 900 bottles is crazy. So I ask you this question uh, every time I talk to you, which is maybe once every couple of years. Is the, is the collection insured?
1: Uh, you know what? I work in insurance and it's not insured. How sad is that? Yeah. It will be one day. They're safe. Uh, I don't think anything's going to happen to them right now. I got like fishing line anchored to the wall, strapped across the bottles. So if like there's tremors or anything, they're not going to yeah. like Jimmy off the shelf, but one because,
0: day. Because um, with having the largest collection in the world, I know that you must have some extremely rare, if not even one-of-a-kind bottles. If you could talk to us a little bit about some of your more rare bottles, maybe even the history of the bottles. Uh, I know that you have, I think, what may be the oldest known 40 on earth. And what are some of your favorite bottles of your collection? take uh, Take us inside the collection a little bit and pick out maybe four or five bottles you can tell us about out of the 900 that are special to you in one way or another, or very unique or maybe even one of a kind.
1: Oh man. Uh, Well, we'll start with the oldest bottle. That's a pretty awesome bottle. It was given to me by another 40 ounce crew member. Um, He's not that active on the website, but I contacted him about it and he actually kind of almost felt obliged to let me have it. And because it was the oldest bottle and he wanted it to be in the largest collection. So uh, it's a A1 premium beer from a 1961. It comes in that stubby style, old school 40 ounce bottle. So that's pretty cool. Obviously, it's one of a kind as far as we know at the moment. And it's like I said, the oldest one we know of at the moment. There is no formal, like, history, historical record keeping when it comes to which 40 came first. You can't just Google that kind of info because the internet wasn't back then and everything wasn't being recorded back then. Um,
0: but but chances are if, uh, if anybody knows about what the oldest bottle would be, it, it's going to be you.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs> say like, – this is what's known as the oldest bottle until yeah. something else pops up that yeah. some old man has in his attic and has no idea what it is or anything <laughs> <laughs> right some other great bottles uh i got this hurricane 40 from marty in uh, maryland he's a member of the bcca which used to be the beer can collectors of america now they're they're breweryana collectors of america or breweryana collectibles club of america and um, uh, I joined there to network with these older guys who I know collected mostly beer cans, but figuring like me, they probably have some other stuff stashed away. And I was able to add quite a lot of bottles to my collection doing that. And I met up with this guy and got a lot of bottles from him, including this hurricane. that has like this beautiful, like colorful label. It's completely different than all the hurricane forties that have been around for the past like 20 years. It was the first design and I'm the only one who has that style. It's, Really catches your eye. Uh, What else? Another one of the rarest bottles uh, for Snoop Dogg's 40th birthday. Pabst threw him a party. This was over a year ago. I think he's like 41 now, maybe even 42. Going on 42. And uh, he's their spokesman for Colt 45. And they threw him a party. Snoop's funkiest 40th birthday bash or something like that. And for it, they had 40 special cult 45 40s produced they had his image on it it said snoop's funkiest funky 40th and uh they were individually numbered one through 40 and uh they wound up contacting me and hooking me up with number one of 40 still full signed by snoop dog <laughs> wow just to include in my collection so that was really awesome they gave away two more of those to other crew members they asked me who should get them and that was a tough decision but i figured the best way to distribute those was to the number two and three largest collection so those guys got those but they were just random numbers it wasn't number two and number three out of 40 so that's pretty awesome
0: neat my uh when when my collection had grown grown to uh the, the size it was when i gave it away to you my favorite bottle that i had was uh, Johnny Three Legs Malt Liquor. I love Liquor. that
1: bottle. It's one of my favorites. Thank yeah. you for that bottle.
0: <laughs> so J- Johnny Three Legs Malt Liquor is one that I got at the Olympics in 1996. And um, for anybody who, who wants to be able to see the images of these bottles, uh, Bruce has on his website 40ozmaltliquor.com pictures of all the bottles still. Is that correct?
1: Uh, I do. It's uh, okay. Most of the bottles. Yeah, brand's page or is a little Most outdated. of them.
0: But the... Yep. Uh, Johnny three legs is a, is a malt liquor that has a picture of a three legged rooster on it. Um, and
1: is... <laughs> somebody got that tattooed on their chest. That's... I just got that text message a few days ago. So Somebody
0: has the, the rooster tattooed on their chest. They
1: yeah, had the three legged. Wow. Johnny three legs. And then, it, and then it has a kind
0: of a colorful circle around it. And then a uh, uh, some kind of odd or strange story written on the inside of the bottle. And the, the little that I remember from when I was collecting is that Johnny Three Legs uh, w- probably was one of the more rare ones. So I, I don't know if there are a whole lot of them out there. But that was one that I was uh, – it was my favorite bottle that I had, and I was happy to give that to you. So,
1: Thank you. That's one of my favorites as well. I was happy to accept it.
0: <laughs> and I mentioned that Johnny Three Legs had an interesting story on the inside of the bottle. One bottle that I never got into my collection that I always wanted – but I could never actually find, was Brickhouse Malt Liquor. And I know that you have a Brickhouse in your collection. And if I recall correctly, on the outside of the label, there was very prominently displayed wording that said proceeds from the purchase of the malt liquor will go back to benefit the communities of Compton, Watts and South Central Los Angeles or something along those lines. Is that, am I remembering that correctly?
1: Pretty much. That's actually the wording on the back of the label. Yeah. That's the story on the back of the label where, uh, yeah, the proceeds go back to the lovely areas of those delightful cities. <laughs> it is a great bottle, and I don't know if anybody else has that bottle. I don't even remember where I got mine. I got a horrible memory for this stuff. I'm well, embarrassed.
0: Well, when you have almost a 1,000 <laughs> bottles, I, 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 can't track ex-
1: everyone. I can't
0: expect that you'd know exactly where they all are. So through through your website, you've built quite a community, uh, and, and I will say that you've built it because your website, even in the early days of it, 10, 12 years ago, was... And it quickly became the central hub for malt liquor enthusiasts and malt liquor collecting and 40-ounce collecting online. So you've built quite a community um, around the country and maybe even around the world. And I know that early on – and I I never got to attend one of your – what you called meeting of the minds – but. Tell us a little bit about the meaning of the minds, what they are and how many that you've had. Um, because ultimately I need to come to one of these things, but, um, you've made a lot of really great friends, I think through, through the community. So tell us about that.
1: Well, the 40 ants crew, as we call ourselves, that they are the members of my website, uh, more specifically the members of the forum on my website, um, that's been going strong for over a decade now. We had our first meeting of the minds, which is our annual meeting in the summer. Uh, 10 years ago, the first one was in Chicago at one of the guys' apartments where we just got rowdy, ate horrible food, drank in excess. And, uh, Made lifelong friends. Um, it wasn't too weird meeting up with these guys because we had already like gotten to know each other so well through the forum. It's like you already knew them. Now you're just hanging out with them too. Um we've these meeting of the minds, they've taken place all over the country. Uh we have 40 Dance crew members all over the world. Most of them are in America. Uh there's several in Canada, and there's a few in the United Kingdom as well. Um the Meeting of the Minds has taken place in Philly, New York City, the Jersey Shore before Snooky and the Situation had been there, uh, Las Vegas a couple times, uh, Memphis, Tennessee. We like to get around. We have a lot of other meetings throughout the year as well, not just the Meeting of the Minds. Just meet yeah. up and chill and swill, as we say.
0: Right. So I recall from the earlier versions of your website, maybe the first five or so years, People were able to kind of post whatever pictures they wanted of themselves on there. And I remember perusing photos of some of these guys. And again, I never attended any of the meeting of the minds. And some of these guys looked kind of scary. And <laughs> one thing I was never actually able to figure out, and I've never even asked you about this, is that were some of the you know, were some of the guys on there just posing and having fun, or were there also, at the same time, maybe some legitimately dangerous and nefarious people on there. And did any of those folks ever come to the meeting of the minds? And the, the photos I'm remembering are there, there was a seemed to be an ongoing thing of guys posing with 40s and different kind of weapons, everything from uh, samurai knives to automatic machine guns to knives to all kinds of stuff. And, and I just never knew. <laughs> if some of these guys were being serious or some of them were just joking around.
1: Uh, there's not really scary guys in the 40 Ants crew there. There's been a couple what we would call wastes and they don't last too long and nobody chooses to hang out with them more than once, <laughs> once they're determined to be a waste, <laughs> but uh violent, aggressive, angry, like type of guys. Not, not, not really. the four and weapons photos referencing was a little thing we were doing for a while we were doing just for fun called malt gangsters it was just posting pictures like holding up various weaponry or things that could be used as weapons with malt liquor and uh that was kind of amusing at the time there's one dude in his boxer shorts in a shower covered in fake blood holding up like a knife and a 40 <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah and now these are all the people some of them you know have gone on to be teachers and other like decent professions yeah, yeah. we 're good people <laughs>
0: good good well i 'm I'm, I'm glad to have found out about that because again I, I was legitimately scared by some of these people, and i uh, <laughs> i, I don 't think I even had any weapons that I could pose with, even if I had wanted to so I, I think in fact the, the picture that I posted. Uh, of me on there was me drinking a Mount Everest malt liquor with my shirt off. And I wasn't holding a weapon in one hand. I was holding a banana and I was eating a
1: banana. Ba- I, I was do remember that. So I much.
0: was eating a banana and drinking a Mount. You Air- get a
1: headband on too. Yeah. I was
0: drinking a Mount Everest malt liquor. So, and, and even mentioning Mount Everest malt liquor leads me into something else I wanted to talk with you about. And that is the, the branding of some malt liquors and various beers I I don't. One thing that I I had a theory about, and I don't know if you believe this or were able to confirm it, is that even in the late '90s, early 2000s, when I was uh, drinking and collecting, is that I felt like some of the the brewers of the malts were releasing a brand, and it would be out for maybe eighteen months. And then the brand would disappear, but the same brewer would then release a new brand, but it would be an it would be the exact same formula of what they had just discontinued, and all they were doing was just trying to create more interest in the in the malts that they were uh, that, that they were creating. So, any insight you can give into that, and what are some of the more bizarre or interesting names or brands that uh, that you know of and have collected?
1: That's a two part question. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I share your theory, actually. A lot of these malt liquors taste a lot alike to each other, especially over the years. Like, there's not a big wide range of flavors to malt liquor, there's real bad ones. There's real good ones. There's private stock with the imported taste, which makes it stand a- apart from the others. <laughs>
0: who no- and who knows what um, imported taste actually means. <laughs> I don't know. It's
1: like secret Asian spices that they mix in or something. That's my guess. <laughs> but yeah, and there's even proof of that happening. Like Anheuser-Busch back in the 80s released King Cobra. When that debuted, it was released alongside Jaguar, which was my most wanted bottle for over a decade till I finally acquired it a few months ago. And those were the same exact beer. Just packaged in two different names, two different bottles to see which would sell better, and it's obviously obvious that King Cobra won. So I do uh, think that's very likely that people just repackage and rename a lot of the same stuff, and, and some of the yeah. And what what are some of
0: the more interesting <laughs> names or brands that you, that you can think of off the top of your head?
1: Well, Johnny Three Legs was a hell of a name because, you know, it's not just about a rooster with three legs. Uh, you got Panther Malt Liquor being sold in like Compton and stuff like that, like Black Hoods. It,
0: well, it, it, Actually, you mentioned that. That is one other bottle that I purchased on my uh, one of my trips to Los Angeles. It was Panther Malt Liquor, and it has a picture of a black panther on it and i bought that in long beach california and i uh i still remember it It has a red cap and it was a wide mouth and i know that bottle is part of your collection now so
1: it's... yeah love that bottle <laughs> i haven't got the older version which you may remember from that old spicoli's website where they had the old label panther yeah i finally acquired that that's another one of my favorites wow other weird names, oh, man, um, there's a new brand that just came out. They did at least one run in the hoods of Chicago called Cooley 600, K-O-O-L-I-E. Like, I don't know what a coolie is. I might be old and not on top of my slime. I know there was a movie, Cooley High or something like that. So do you know what a coolie is? I don't know what a coolie is. I have the slightest
0: fingers. idea. And
1: but it's awesome because e- it's so ghetto. Not <laughs> even
0: knowing what the Cooley means, any idea what the 600 stands for?
1: maybe the alcohol content 6% but i mean that's not the case in old english 800 that's not 8% so i don't know yeah uh, other weird names oh man i can't think off the top of my head but uh, listeners are welcome to go on my website and scroll yeah. through all the brand names
0: well exactly i mean I, some that i remember, remember? Uh, you know city slicker was an interesting name for a yeah, malt liquor it's cool. Get brick house, uh, night flight. I mentioned that earlier. That was always and uh, and who couldn't forget Fat Boy P H A T Boy, uh, mm-hmm. that had a, a rather colorful label. And I I think Fat Boy that may have only been around for what maybe two years in the late nineties. But uh, yeah,
1: probably about that.
0: And I I had you to thank for uh, for scoring me the, the the one and only bottle of Fat Boy I ever got to uh, I ever got to enjoy.
1: Uh, Ginseng in it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Goodness, it's going to add add it's healthy add minutes to my life. Um, <laughs> have you ever acquired one of the forty ounce water bottles that were produced? And if you can explain to our listeners what the forty ounce water bottles were, and again, do you have one? Because That is something that when I saw that they actually existed, I was fascinated by.
1: Uh, During catastrophes, like various hurricanes or whatever, um, the brewing companies would try to assist and provide aid in the form of water to the victims of these terrible storms. And uh, perhaps... Did this Miller did this Anheuser Busch also did this, but not in the form of a forty ounce, but uh, Pabst and Miller produced like emergency drinking water in forty ounce bottles. And Miller's was a very <laughs> generic label; they put no effort into it because it is right. what it is. It's like we got to get this water out there to these victims. It was a white label with black straight print on it. Pabst actually like tried to put a little graphic on it, like <laughs> you see water bubbles in the background of the label. You would think they'd wanted to sell it or something. But yeah, I do. I did get one each of those, so those are pretty cool to have in the collection. I think I got those on eBay, and I also have a 32-ounce Miller emergency drinking water where they put more effort into the label for a different storm, and that one's full. Maybe I should drink the water one day. <laughs> uh,
0: and Saturday Night Live over the years has produced at least three parodies surrounding beers or malt liquors in which – during the parody commercials, you can see forties that were made for the um, for the show. I know they were. Uh, one was f'd up malt liquor, which is a fantastic name. F apostrophe d up f'd up malt liquor. There was a m and then there was also cold cock. Mm-hmm. Have you? Ever successfully been able to track down any of those bottles, and do you think there's ever a chance of getting one, or do you think those were probably just one of a kind props that were made and were just thrown out after the after they were filmed
1: i've always wanted those I never got them. It drives me nuts. It would be so awesome to have the AML or the Colcock in my collection. Uh, who knows what the hell happened to them. They're probably in like some dusty warehouse, like prop area in New York city somewhere, or maybe they just got tossed or maybe the actor has it and threw it out. I don't know. I wish I had one of those. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I do remember those.
0: Um, a lot of articles in uh, different either pop culture magazines or brewing magazines um, have been written about uh, malt liquor and 40-ounce bottles. In fact, I know that you just wrote an article recently yourself that you can um, tell us about. But um, how have uh, how have different publications found you and discovered you in the past and reached out to you to um, – to, to discuss your hobby, and what are some of the more interesting things you've gotten to um, to, to talk about uh, br- briefly. But before you answer that, I, I remember about 2005, the Wall Street Journal at one time was going to write some kind of an article about mall liquor or, or inner city uh, alcohol consumption. And I know they spoke with you at length and you actually referred them to me as well. So I I remember talking to a Wall Street Journal guy for about a half an hour online or on the phone about uh, malt liquor. But uh, tell us about some of the articles that have been written and some of the publications that, uh, that uh, you've been found in.
1: Uh, Yeah, the Wall Street Journal article was pretty cool. I was only actually mentioned in their final paragraph, but I'll take it. They went out on a high note uh, just mentioning me in regards to my website and collection and being a a mortgage broker from New Jersey because that's what I was at the time. Um, I've been in a few other things. I I guess they find me via my website because I'm not like knocking on doors or anything. (laughs) And they just contact me asking if I'd be interested in talking about whatever. And, of course, I always am. I was in uh, Yellow Rat Bastard, which is a clothing store in New York City. Uh, I was in Elemental Magazine. Yeah, and Yellow Rat Bastard had a magazine as well. I was in Elemental's 50th issue. Uh, The most recent publication was the BCCA Magazine, that uh, brewery collectible club of America that I was talking about. Uh, I was on Tech TV with uh, Unscrewed with Martin Sargent. I did a little interview via webcam w- way back in the day, and I got pretty drunk off that interview. I was drinking <laughs> ghetto wines like night Train and stuff too. And I remember puking in the toilet when it was over.
0: <laughs> that, that's funny. Um, now, have you ever actually tried to? Uh, I know you're busy. Obviously, you're you've got a uh, you know you're prof- you have a professional career. You're in the insurance business and you have four kids. Uh, So have you ever – outside of collecting, have you ever had time to actually try to brew your own malt liquor? And I've got to think somewhere in the back of your mind someday there could be produced brews, B-R-U-Z, malt liquor in a 40-ounce bottle. It's got to be coming someday. Talk to us about
1: it. It's coming. It's coming. (laughs) You share like a similar wavelength mentally as me because that's something I've thought about. Like – I don't have the time right now to put forth the attention to home brewing, but it's something I want to do. I want to mess around with it a little, figure it out, and then, yeah, of course, brew my own malt liquor, make a brews malt liquor, 40-ounce. I'll put bottle it in 40 somehow. I know that wouldn't really seal well, but maybe if I wrap those caps up in electrical tape or something, that would help contain the carbonation, but uh, it's got to be done. And either way, I'm 35 right now by my 40th birthday there's going to be a bruise 40 of some sort. It just has to be for the party. Absolutely.
0: Or and I, I can tell you right now, as long as we are still uh, living geographically within driving distance of each other, um, I would, I would love to have the opportunity to attend your 40th birthday party. So put it, you know, let, put Absolutely. it, put it on the calendar for me. I'll be there to, to, to celebrate. Um, and along the lines of celebrations, And parties with uh, with forty ounces and with malt liquor. There was a a party thrown last year at the Playboy Mansion that was sponsored by Colt Forty Five and Snoop Dogg. You mentioned earlier that they that uh, Colt Forty Five produced forties for his fortieth birthday. Um, And I know it. it Eventually, they had a party at the Playboy Mansion, and they invited you. I'm just going to leave the... I'm going to make it an open forum. I'm not even going to ask any questions. You you have the stage. You were at the Playboy Mansion, Snoop Dogg, drinking malt liquor.
1: I drank 40-ounce malt liquor at the Playboy Mansion. It was amazing. I swam in the grotto in my underwear. It was amazing. Uh, just one morning, woke up, grabbed my phone, glanced at my emails. My wife's laying there. I'm like... I was just invited to a party at the Playboy Mansion. She's like, what? (laughs) Repeated myself. She's like, you got to go. That's how awesome my wife is. She's like, you got to (laughs) go. And uh, I got the invite because I connected online with uh, the social media manager for Pabst Brewing Company. There, or at least he at the very least was a fan of my website. He's also the one who hooked me up with that Snoop 40. And he's given me a few malt liquor prototype bottles, 12 ounce like Schlitz malt liquor bottles and Colt 45 bottles. And uh, he invited me out there and he wanted me to bring a friend. They provide the airfare, the hotel, and it was an awesome weekend. I chose another 40 ounce crew member. They flew us both out. We stayed at a hotel two nights on Pabst. And uh, we went to the Playboy Mansion that first night, and it was awesome, Uh, surreal. No, I didn't see Hugh Hefner. I was told he doesn't come to all these things. He was inside watching a screening for what the hell was the movie? Oh, man, some movie that was coming out a week later. He was watching it in the mansion, and the dude who worked for Pabst was like, he was so old. See, <laughs> he had met him, he's just like, he's just this really old guy. <laughs> but uh, the party was awesome. You know, girls everywhere, celebrities everywhere. Jada Pinkett, Pinkett Smith, uh, Warren Sapp, uh, Luke Wilson. I saw. So, I'll tell this story on your podcast. I was waiting in line at the bathroom at the Playboy Mansion, and at the bathrooms have showers like outside the bathrooms where girls could just shower off if they wanted to. But Luke was right in front of me, and I didn't even know it was him. He looked. I thought it was a Pabst employee. It was this guy in totally casual gear with a baseball cap on, and this naked Playboy chick covered in Colt forty five malt liquor body paint came <laughs> up to me. He's like, "I would totally make out with you right now." Mm-hmm but I don't want to lose my job. And I was just like, I won't tell. She's like, who are you anyway? I was (laughs) like, nobody, don't worry about it. (laughs) And then like five minutes later, after I went to the bathroom after this guy, um, I realized that was Luke Wilson. Somebody said so. And I looked and was like, oh yeah. (laughs) And he's just chilling at the bar, like ignoring girls. And uh, it was an awesome experience. The mansions, I, I didn't go inside the actual mansion. You party on the grounds, but you're allowed to walk anywhere. I walked, through a path through the woods looking at monkeys in cages and some dude whose job is to stand there in the dark with like this big white parrot and just like let you hold it and put it on your shoulder and stuff and wound up in front of the mansion posing for pictures with my buddy and the grotto I always thought that was some exclusive like VIP celebrity only thing but no it's just right there next to the pool you can just walk through the entrance and go in if you want to so by the end of the night when i had a lot of colt 45 running through my veins i just stripped down to my boxers and jumped in and uh classic man one of the best things to have come from my website
0: nice what well, and do you think uh you think you've made a decent connection with the guy who run who you said is the social media um rep for paps so I, I i hope you made a decent enough impression on him personally that uh that if any future parties happen, that uh, that, that that you're going to be involved or get invites back.
1: Ah, you're rubbing salt into the wounds. The guy was super nice, cool. We're uh, connected on Facebook still as friends, but he no longer works for Peps. He <gasps> moved on, went to like a bottled water company or something terrible. It's like I don't care how much you were making at Peps, keep that job forever. You're working at the Playboy Mansion. You work for Peps. Oh man, so, dream job. Uh,
0: so you've been doing you've been doing this long enough, and you have a wealth of information about forties and malt liquor, about the community, about the history. Uh, are there any po- plans or opportunities you think to ever actually, um, you know, monetize on this? I know you said maybe. Uh, You know, maybe brewing your own malt liquor. But again, knowing you as I do, that would just be for personal satisfaction. But, uh, um, you know, if the job paid anything, and I don't know if it does, don't you think you pretty easily could have stepped right into that guy's job and probably done it twice as well as he has, simply because of how much knowledge you have and the passion you have for malt liquor?
1: I think I could have done a great job at Paps for social media manager. I mean we connected via social media. I've been doing internet malt liquor crap for over a decade. I'm sure I had more experience than him when it came to that Uh, but who knew that there was a job opening and that he was going elsewhere so that sucks. I forget the first part of the question. No, I was it, distracted. No,
0: no. Well, distracted. We're we're uh, an was, hour hour into the interview, and I've got. I was
1: staring at my Mickey's UFC neon. It's glowing in the corner over here. Uh,
0: actually, it's, it's, it's funny you mention that. I um uh, from the my first apartment out of college, I have a Colt forty five mirror that I bought at a uh, a flea market for about ten dollars. And my wife refuses to allow me to hang it up in the house. So, uh,
1: not even in that basement? Well, you know, we,
0: yeah, you know, it's a long story, but there, there are lots of Steelers stuff hung up down here. But
1: right. there's
0: not going to be any malt liquor th- things anytime soon. So, uh, uh, the next time you and I see each other, I have a beautiful Colt 45 mirror to give to you. So
1: nice. I got a few mirrors here. I got King Cobra private stock and a Schlitz blue bull mall liquor, but yeah, the first part of your question that came back to me yeah. about monetizing on my website Yeah, and, uh, it's something I wanted to do, but I've had trouble figuring out how I was hoping when I converted to a blog format that I would, uh, be able to do that better, but. Long story short, I didn't know how to convert my site into a blog. I My old website was all HTML that I taught myself. I hired somebody else to make it a blog site. That took almost a year to do. It should have taken a month. And by then, I was so burnt out of the whole process of trying to get it up and going. And I didn't love to end result that I didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. Uh, figuring out what else to do with it. But I'm starting to pick up steam again. I've been doing a lot of articles. I've modified the blog a little bit to make it a little more to my liking. And uh, one day, maybe I'll retire off malt liquor money. But (laughs) at the moment, it hasn't happened. I've made over a 1000 bucks on YouTube drinking malt liquor. But uh, that that doesn't pay all the bills.
0: Okay, so I'm going to repeat what you just said. And it's probably the only time in human history this sentence has ever been spoken out of somebody's mouth. I've made over $1,000 off of malt liquor on YouTube. Please elaborate. (laughs) That's
1: a long story in itself. Um Actually, as of Friday, six years ago Friday, I just wrote a blog about this, and I didn't even intend to do it on the sixth year anniversary. It was complete coincidence that the first video was done six years ago. But uh, six years ago, we had uh, decided, like, let's make some drinking videos for each other on the 40 Crew Forum. We'll make them on YouTube, post them for each other, just, like, whatever. We talk to each other, drink a 40, and seemed like a, an amusing enough project. That project which we called 40-ounce small liquor TV, wound up blowing up. And to keep a very long story short, six years later is now known as the YouTube drinking community. Other groups have been born off of the 40-ounce small liquor TV, 40-ounce crew thing. And uh, other people started making videos. There was crew beef online going back and forth. It was really childish and ridiculous. And now it's at the point where there's no group mentality, but there's just all sorts of people making videos. And I made a lot of videos. I don't make a lot of videos anymore. I don't really love having my image out there drinking malt liquor on the internet sure. with my family and profession and everything. Yep. So most of my videos have been made private. I had well over 300 videos, but from doing that, I got to monetize my videos with Google AdSense and all that. And yeah, um, I don't know how much I made. I just remember hitting the thousand dollar mark. I've made more since then, but not a whole lot because I- Put most of those vids on private. Well,
0: and one of those videos I remember seeing on the uh, the, the Facebook it had been posted on the Facebook community of uh, what uh, forty ounce or support uh, support malt liquor or what, it, what what's the name of it SML
1: uh, yeah the support malt yeah support group.
0: malt liquor is that uh, a gentleman who is a competitive eater is that if anybody's ever watched the the Coney Island hot dog eating contest the big guy Booker, right?
1: Yeah, Badlands Booker.
0: Badlands Booker. He joined and he may be the only known member of what's called I guess the 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 1600 club. Correct. And the way you get to the number 1600 is that you drink 4 Times forty ounces, meaning you're drinking four forties times ten minutes. And there was a video of on uh, online of him doing just that. He drank four forties in under ten minutes, and I've seen he it. Did it in
1: under five minutes. In under
0: five minutes. <laughs> Obscene. It's one. I don't remember what he actually what forty it was. It really shouldn't even matter. But I was doing the math the other day when I was out on a run, and just if you assume the basic malt liquor is has about twice the alcohol content of a normal budweiser, which may be around like three point nine three and a half uh, alcohol content, if you do the math. That man consumed 19 12-ounce Budweiser's worth of alcohol in five minutes.
1: Yeah, he was drinking Old English 800, which is 5.9%. And uh, so let's just say 6%. (laughs) He drank 160 ounces of 6% beer in under five minutes. Wow, a gallon is 128 ounces. He drank 160 ounces <laughs> in under 5 minutes of malt liquor. And
0: assuming that link is still out there and that video is still out there. I haven't I haven't seen it in a couple of months. Go to my website comfortzonexit.com, and I will definitely have a link to that video posted there for people to check out. Um so in terms of monetization, we we spoke about this earlier. Um, my first two podcast guests, one Jason Borbe, aka Bourbet, is uh, a New York City-based artist. He's a full-time artist and uh, produces some amazing pieces. And my second guest, guy named Brett Ritchie, is a professional poker player. I've always had this idea about your collection, and I, I told this to you six or seven years ago, the last time we, we saw each other in person is that I think there could be a fantastic, um, I'm going to call it an art installation or a pop culture exhibit somewhere in, in New York city, maybe in lower Manhattan um, where your entire collection or maybe the, the kind of the gems of your collection are on display and it gets mixed or mashed up with something else that is of appeal within pulp, pop culture. Maybe it would be something with uh, the, the, the guy that I interviewed first time, Bourbet. Or, so it would be an art exhibit. Or maybe it would be a combination with a poker night. Or when I worked in New York City, I worked for Nike. And this is where I got the idea in that I worked for Nike's running marketing group. And Nike actually rented out about a three or four thousand foot square foot space in lower Manhattan where they would have these underground art installations where they would take Nike product and mash them up with something from pop, pop culture. Now, I don't think there's any chance in the world Nike's going to mash up with malt liquor, but something <laughs> like poker or art. I've always had this idea. Of your collection being on display for some for a high end party where people from middle to high society, as, as strange as that may sound, the art culture of New York City would come for maybe just a two week. You know, deep dive exhibit, and when they came in, it would be max, mashed up with some art, and they'd be drinking malt liquor, and people would be able to experience the history and the art of malt liquor by by viewing your bottles displayed in a very classy and interesting uh, manner. So I'm putting it out there. Have you ever thought about this, aside from the times when I know I have brought it up to you, and if you haven't. Maybe we can make it our goal to make this happen.
1: I haven't. I mean, it's a cool idea. I just don't know how to do it, what to do exactly to make this like anything that would be like profitable for me. I. It's a big idea and it's a cool idea and it's something I would like to do. In my mind, I don't know, like thousand is the magic number. I need to hit a thousand bottles and then I'll start going crazy. I, I'm going to, try and force Guinness to make me a world record. The last time I tried, they said it was too similar to the guy with the largest beer bottle collection, but you know, I got more forties than that guy. Right. And something like that needs to happen. There's a company in Brooklyn called MF, like mother Effer gallery uh, who uh, did a 40 ounce art exhibit themselves where they had local artists like, use 40 ounce as their art and they were painting forties and creating things out of forties. And they, there was a lot of cool pieces there. I actually bought a piece or two from them and maybe I could do something with them over in Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, it's something that I would definitely need to think about and talk about more definitely with you since this is your brainchild. And right now it's hard for me to do these kind of projects because of my family and career. The only time I work on my website is during work hours. <laughs> like, I don't have the time or energy. The time my kids go to bed, it's, like, 9 o'clock, and then I pass out on the um, recliner for an hour and watch some terrible TV show or something yeah. and then go to bed. Like It's so hard right now. Yeah. When my little guys are a little more self-sufficient, then I'm going to kick it into high gear and try and get something going with all this.
0: Absolutely. Well, in terms of the, the business side of it or even just – uh even the creative side of it, I'd love to be involved because, again, like you said, this is an idea that I've had. And I, having seen what the shoe industry did with it, with, with what's called the sneakerhead, I mean, there's a whole group of people out there called sneakerheads who co- collect shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nike. You are
1: the forty ounce legend. We'll get you involved. Nike. I remember visiting you at that Nike store with a couple forty ounce crew guys uh, during yes. a meeting. Once. One of
0: one of the very early meetings of the minds. You guys walked. You in. seemed
1: pretty nervous. You, <laughs> You're like, okay, I'll humor you for two seconds. You got to get out of here. I was
0: working, uh, in, I was working. This would have been 2004 at Nike Town around the New York Marathon. So this would have been nine years ago. Last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I was working for, for wow. Nike and, uh, you brought a meeting of the minds into, uh, <laughs> into Nike town, New York. And I, I was really busy and I, I it, yeah, I, I, I do recall kind of just waving to you guys and,
1: and, and you, you almost, it was, it was brief. We talked for a minute.
0: We, we, it was brief, but I appreciated you guys coming by. So, um, what's the, what's the most amount of money that you have ever spent for a 40 or a bottle of malt liquor and or what is the most you have ever heard of being paid if you don't mind sharing that
1: i don't mind sharing the most i ever paid was i don't remember the exact dollar amount i believe it was a hundred dollars plus the cost of uh, overnight shipping it was probably like around 130 bucks, uh for that Jaguar 40-ounce, my most wanted bottle. And that was a whole thing in itself. Like this dude hit me up on the internet saying, uh, how much would a full Jaguar 40 be worth? And I'm thinking I'm just getting trolled again, I mean messed with online because right. – I had it up on my site. This is my most wanted bottle. And a couple of times people were like, oh, I can get this. and But then I, nothing ever came of it. And But I wound up getting photos from this guy. I Googled his name and email. He was a legit human being. Um, so I told him I was interested. I made him an offer. I didn't hear back for like a month. Even through follow-up emails, he wouldn't reply. And then out of nowhere, he says, okay, it's yours. Send me $100 or, yeah, 100 bucks. overnight it. Cash. I'm like, what?
0: That <laughs> sounded so shady. Cash.
1: Yeah, cash, overnight. I'm like, all right, whoa. Uh, so I gave it some thought. I was like, you know what? I've been to Vegas three times in my life. I'm not a gambler. I probably gambled less than 50 bucks. This could be a one-bit good, worthwhile gamble. Like, I could send him a check. He could cash it and still not send it to me, and I don't have any recourse, not much anyway. This isn't an eBay transaction with some sort of contract to help me out. So, uh... In the end, I didn't have to overnight it the way he wanted. I was able to do it slightly cheaper. He wanted it like FedEx, whatever. I sent him the money. The box came in the mail. My wife calls me at work because I had been tracking the tracking number. I didn't know if I was getting a pile of poop in the box (laughs) or the actual thing I paid for. And she calls me. She's like, it's not good. I'm like, what? (laughs) It's like the box is soaking wet and there's a hole in it. Uh My heart was like racing and I wanted to just kill everybody in the office, go postal. But long story short, there was just a little crack in the neck. The neck actually never broke off. There was just a slight little crack in the glass that about a third of the bottle leaked out of. I even drank some of that Jaguar in a YouTube video, which is public. Just to say I had it, even though obviously it didn't taste anything like it used to or anything like King Cobra does now. Um, So that was the most I ever paid for my most wanted bottle. And I wouldn't pay that much again for another bottle. Well, I say that now. Yeah. But if something awesome came up, maybe. Well, all right. I just get- the most I ever heard. If you still want that yeah. answer, yeah, oh, absolutely. I don't want to cut you off. Absolutely. That was like three hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. For a Turbo One Thousand, which was produced by Coors, it was a malt liquor that came out maybe for like a year. I think Coors Turbo One Thousand came out real limited, real short distribution, whatever. One popped up on eBay. A forty ounce crew member was bidding on it. Another. Forty ounce crew member under a fake name started bidding the other guy up <laughs> just to be a jerk. Oh wow. And the other guy, who's a middle aged man living in Alaska, won it. He paid this obscene amount of three hundred bucks for this bottle that the other guy would never have paid. He would have just like got the negative, whatever. He didn't care, it was a fake account. <laughs> <laughs> this poor dude paid 300 bucks for this bottle. And then fast forward years later, he wound up gifting that bottle to me as well to have <laughs> <in> my collection.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause my, my, my question out of that was going to be, well, did you, uh, do you have one of those bottles? And I,
1: uh, I got may- the two most expensive bottles.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, I got, I got just a couple, couple more questions for you. So, um, nice. Has anybody ever ever approached you about purchasing your entire collection? And, yes or no? No. Okay. Um, and with the amount of time, we're talking 13 years now, if not more, and money you've invested into it, and it's uninsured, mind you, I... <clears throat> Uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe maybe it's the, maybe it's (laughs) the, the finance in me that, that every time I talk to you, which is only every couple of years, I keep banging on you saying, when are you going to insurance insurance?
1: That I haven't done it? How
0: how much is your collection worth?
1: It's purely like subjective. It depends (laughs) on how many people are collecting forties at the time, which has fluctuated over the years. I've encouraged a lot of people to collect and I've provided a place for them to come together for collectors. And like the guy who has the fifth largest collection in the world probably wouldn't pay as much as the guy who is the second largest, but there's not like all these people bidding on my collection. If there's someone out there who wants to offer me a hundred thousand dollars for my collection, (laughs) contact me on my website and we'll talk business. Right. I'm not going to sell it for 10,000. I'll just put it that way. I don't know what it's worth, but to me it's worth a lot. I'm not in desperate need of money. We're pretty well off. So it's got to be a really good offer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So final thing I want to talk about. And, um, uh, because you and I are video chatting, by the way, I see you're almost done with your 40 as am I. So we we need to make a declaration when we both finish. maybe we'll finish together. We're uh, maybe an ounce or two behind you. Um, but the the, the the final thing I want to talk about is more philosophical, and uh, I'm going to take a big swig here before I ask it. So hold on.
1: I'll swig with you.
0: All right. So I I've, yeah, we're we're perfectly equal. We'll, f- we'll finish right at the end of about the an inch of swill. End yeah. of the conversation. So <clears throat> I I've never in my own mind been able to totally figure out what it is why, uh, you know, a couple of well-educated white males, and and maybe you can tell us if most of the people or what the demographics are of the folks you've come in contact with through collecting 40s, but what it is that drove us to collect 40s of malt liquor. Um, the only the only thing I could ever put my finger on is something that, excuse me, I just burped that I always had fun with when I was drinking forties. And that is when I was, no, I guess not in high school. Cause I, I started collecting right at the end of high school, but when I was in college or in my summers off, I would always have forties around and I'd have them in my, my fridge. And when my buddies and I would go out to a party, like, ah. Uh, you know Johnny's having a party tonight there going to be 100 people there and i say all right let's go i would take my own 40 with me just to show up drinking a 40 almost like it was an accessory and there was this thing that i i tried to explain to my friends called 40 envy and i know you've experienced it and that if you just walked into a random party And this is more high school, college age, drinking a 40, that for whatever reason, you become magnetic. You're the man. You're the man. I mean, it doesn't matter what your race is, what your religion is, what your sexual orientation is. It doesn't doesn't matter what you are. You walk into that party that is comprised mostly of 18 to 25-year-olds, and you come in with a malt liquor... 40 that's about one-third drank, people want to talk to you. And I discovered that very early on. <laughs> and I made that 40 my accessory when I would go to parties. And there was something about that that magnetized me to wanting to collect 40s. So what is it about the 40 and about malt liquor that... Even 10 years after I stopped collecting, you're still pushing ahead, and you are absolutely undisputed king of 40-ounce malt liquor on earth.
1: 40s are just awesome. That's all there is to it. You don't have to think too much about it. It's a gigantic bottle of strong beer. That's the bottom line. Like, I majored in economics. You're getting more bang for your buck with a 40, and... I agree with you. I've experienced it. I've, I love it. You go to a party with a 40 and people are like, awesome, or whatever. You can fill back up with keg juice if you want or, you know, better yet. I don't know if you've done this. You go to a party. You bring a case of 40s on ice in a cooler. <laughs> you are the man. People <laughs> love it. You get girls drinking 40s. You've got guys grabbing 40s, and it's an awesome scene, like – I worked at a steakhouse after college for a little bit, after my first real job at a college. Then I went to a steakhouse. Well, I figured out what I was going to do next. And uh, there was a lot of parties after waiting tables. And I'd bring a case of 40s. And it was just like, I don't know. It was awesome. <laughs> the girls love it. The guys love it. Everybody loves 40s. They just don't know it. <laughs> they don't drink it. They, nobody goes, like... Normal people don't go to the store and buy a forty. They're buying their craft beer, their natty ice or whatever, natty light, yep. Bud Light. Well, but you bring a forty and they dig right in. Yeah, people love forties. Yeah. It's that nineties culture. Gangster na- Rat made it popular.
0: You nailed it, man. And when you say that nobody goes to to stores to buy forties, I uh, I'm, uh, to close this out. I'm going to tell a very quick embarrassing story that. For me to purchase the 40 that I'm drinking right now, and you and I are going to, we're going to finish together, albeit remotely, I'm in Virginia, you're new in Jersey. I had to go to a Seven Eleven this morning, about 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning in uh, Northern Virginia, and uh, my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter was with me, and the only reason I was going to this <laughs> store was to buy a 40 of malt liquor. So she's in there with me and I walk over to the cooler and a, uh, a Sunday morning in Northern Virginia, kind of upper middle class. The only other people you're going to find in this kind of store at that time, they're buying the Washington Post and cappuccinos. So I had to walk up to the counter with my seven-year-old daughter in a 40 of malt <laughs> liquor at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And I will have to say, I That's was
1: father of the year material.
0: I got some looks from other people in the store that were like, You are the most, you are the worst and most evil human being on the planet. And deep inside, all I was thinking is, You know what? This is really, really funny. It, it, I, it was fantastic. Nobody That's in that store ever, awesome. nobody in that store ever could have guessed that the only reason I was buying it was to conduct a podcast with the king of 40-ounce malt liquor. And, Bruce, I could not have been more happy to have had you on. And um, as things progress with the collection, maybe we'll catch up with you in the future. And I absolutely want to try to find a way to make some kind of a pop culture exhibit with your collection in New York City a reality. So...
1: We'll do it. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: It has been an absolute pleasure. So with that, you and I, as I can tell on our video screens, uh-huh. each have about one or two ounces left. Let's finish our forties and sign off. All right. All, All right. Cheers. Perfect. Ah, from Pipestem Studios, this has been Scott Sihan with guest Bruce. On Comfort take Zone Exit. E- take <laughs> care, From uh, This is Comfort Zone Exit. You can find the podcast on ComfortZoneExit.com, Twitter, Comfort Zone Exit. And we're, I'm also in the iTunes store. And you can find Bruce's website at 4040ozmaltliquor.com. Till next time, peace.
1: Keep swelling. Oh,